0: In today's podcast, Charlie West reflects on this Sunday's readings and readings for the Feasts of the Holy Name, New Year's Day, and the Epiphany. He also shares his own story about the wise men. You can read along in Charlie's blog, Words Twice a Week, at com Words twice a week, 1231.
1: Words twice a week on Thursdays is a set of introductory thoughts about the scripture lessons for the coming week. They're presented as a bulleted list, and I use this sound to represent the start of a new thought. This probably works best if you've looked over the uh, scripture lessons, or at least have them at hand to scan as we go along. And this week we'll be looking at a number of scripture lessons Numbers six twenty-two to twenty-seven, Luke two fifteen to twenty-one, Ecclesiastes three one to thirteen, Psalm eight, Jeremiah thirty-one seven to fourteen, and Matthew two one to twelve. Well, there are a slew of scripture lessons we could run into over the next seven days. There are lessons for um, holy name. January 1st, and in fact, the tradition of remembering and observing the circumcision and naming of Jesus on the eighth day after Christmas goes way back. The tradition of starting a new year on January 1 is not all that clear. In England, March 25 was considered the beginning of the year until 1752, just after the equinox, start of the planting season. Hmm. Um, Then New Year's Day, despite the above, there are lessons for that day. Second Sunday of Christmas, and Epiphany, January 6th, the arrival of the wise men. We'll look at one or two lessons from each set. Um, Holy Name, Numbers 6, 22, 27, the blessing. God tells Moses that one of the jobs of the priests is to bless the people. Just what does it mean to bless someone? we remember isaac jacob and esau it was is a pretty big deal and there is a certain uncontrolled or magical quality about it or has it just become the close of worship lord bless you and keep you make his face to shine upon you it has to do with being protected being treated with grace and kindness with being at peace thinking about it that way who has the power to bless you who do you have the power to bless has there been a time in your life when you felt particularly blessed? How about now? Luke 2, 15 to 21, the shepherds come and leave. Jesus is circumcised and named Jesus. Jesus is named in obedience to what the angel said. Mary and Joseph didn't get to pick a name. Where did you get your name? If you could change it, would you? And to what? If you have a child... What went into choosing a name for him or her? We know, three different sets of people in this story. The shepherds, they came and told everyone and then went back to the flocks and fields and are not heard from again. All who heard, they marveled and went back home and were not heard from again. And Mary, she heard the words of the shepherds, it would have been nice if Gabriel had shown up, and pondered them and kept them in her heart. She's the only one who reappears in the story of Jesus' ministry. What do you suppose she heard in the message of the shepherds? Affirmation? Uncertainty about the future? Fear? See the note down below on the arrival of the wise men. New Year's Day. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. The opening lines from a poem by Louise Gates Haskell. Um, there's a link on the website. You can read the rest of it. Ecclesiastes 3 1 to 13. To everything, turn, turn, turn. What does it say that there are seasons for killing, destroying, throwing stones, tearing apart or down, hate, war? Does it mean these things will always be with us? Is life always a mixture? Would this be good news or not? What are you most feeling now? According to verse 12 and 13, the best thing is to find enjoyment in work, life, food. So a positive view of work. And we are certainly enjoying food these days. If we read on to verse 15, it says, Everything that happens has happened before, all that will be has already been. I've been reading the Thursday Next series of mysteries where the timeline of history is set for all time, and it is the job of the chronoguard to keep reality from veering too far from it. It's interesting and confusing. How do you feel about reality? How much ability do we have to alter it? In particular, is the human experience, experiment, open-ended? How does this fit in with the idea that God is bringing all to an adequate conclusion? Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how wonderful is your name in all the earth. This is just such a nice psalm. Praise from children gets made into a fortress, a piece from Meister Eckhart. If I were alone in a desert and feeling afraid, I would want a child to be with me. For then my fear would disappear, and I would be made strong. This is what life in itself can do, because it is so noble, so full of pleasure, and so powerful. Hmm. Would Mary have felt something like that when Jesus was born, or would that have come later? What are humans compared to the heavens? William Anders, one of the Apollo 8 astronauts who first orbited the moon in 1968, later said that although the astronauts went on their mission to explore the moon, what they really discovered was the planet Earth. He added, I think it's important for people to understand that they are just going around on one of the smaller grains of sand, on one of the spiral arms of this kind of puny galaxy. Earth is insignificant, but it's the only one we've got. And what does it mean to be given dominion? Authority, ability to have an effect on something? What was God thinking? The second Sunday of Christmas, Jeremiah 31, seven to 14, verse seven is a request. Come and save what's left of Israel. How does that resonate with you today? And then God promises that there will be a grand return. That sounds good although the days we would like to return to were not always as good for all as they were for us. Note that all kinds of people of varying abilities and ages and situations will return. What would be some of the things that would need to happen for such a return? And there will be more food than they need. Well, we're still trying to eat up holiday desserts before they get too stale. And then Epiphany, January 6th, Matthew 2, 1-12, the wise men arrive, and depart. And note that this is a different story from Luke's. doesn't always work too well to try to mush them together. Luke has shepherds, stable, poverty, angels. Matthew has wise men, a palace, wealth, and dreams. The wise men go home by a different road. I always used to go home from church by a different way after the service on Epiphany or on Christmas Eve. It's always a problem when there are two kings mentioned together. Note that Christ is for all people. What does that mean? That all people should be Christians? Or that God loves all people? Or something else? This from Fred Craddock. Stories of old rulers being threatened by the birth of heirs to the throne were common in Matthew's day, but clearly the direct antecedent was the Moses story. This image of a tyrant, jealous and intimidated, screaming death warrants and releasing the sword of government against the innocent to preserve entrenched power stabs awake the reader and abruptly ends a quiet Lucan Christmas. But Matthew must speak the truth. Good news has its own enemies. One has but to love, to arouse hatred, to speak the truth, to strengthen the network of lies and deception. It is no mystery one who gave himself to loving the poor and neglected of the earth would be killed. There are institutions and persons who have other plans for the poor and neglected. Of course, no one wants a hassle, much less a clash. But what shall Jesus' followers say and do? The fearful whisper, tell the wise men to be quiet about the child. Wow. Okay, then here's a piece I wrote a number of years ago, a lighter take on the wise men. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. Wise men? That's right. They saw the star and followed it and found the baby. And you call them wise? I'll bet that's not how their families saw it. In the evening, pack my bags, mother, I'm off in the morning. What do you mean, off in the morning? Where are you going? The star was there, we're going west to find the baby. Are you nuts? How do you know it was a star and not one of those satellite things? It was a star, it was the star. We're going to find the child to worship and adore, and then we'll be back. We? Melchior and Balthasar are going, too. They're as loopy as you are. How will you know where to go? We'll just head west. There's sure to be signs when we get there. And in the morning? Well, I packed you some sandwiches. They'll last a few days, and then you'll just have to hope something is open, which I doubt this being the holidays and all. And she watched from the open door until he was just a dot on the horizon. Then she closed the door and knelt down and prayed, Dear God, whoever you are, watch over my loopy husband. Grant him traveling mercies. Help him find this child to worship and adore. Keep him out of trouble, one way or another. Bring him safely back. The star still shines brightly over the manger of Bethlehem. Just over the hills on the western horizon, you can see it if you close your eyes and look with your heart. It's just ahead, just after Christmas, a good time to shy away from the wise men. Keep an eye out instead for those who are slightly loopy with the season. As you come from wherever it is you are to worship at the manger and the door, may God grant you traveling mercies safely there and one way or another safely back. That's it for now. Happy New Year.